Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, talking about Jesus, when he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And I want to focus on that, Lord, teach us to pray. They're asking Jesus Christ a simple question, Lord, teach us to pray. I want to do a teaching on how to pray according to Jesus Christ. Because that's a good question. There's so many things I would ask the Lord. If you were walking with the Lord and you could walk with the Lord like the disciples did on a daily basis, morning, noon, and night. Man, can you think of all the questions you could ask Jesus Christ? I mean, can you think? I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, can you, I mean, I can't even begin to fathom what that'd be like to be sleeping around a campfire with God. I mean, uh, guys, it's just, it's mind-boggling. But one of the things they did do is they heard how Jesus, because notice that as he was praying in a certain place, that they had to have heard our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ praying. And they knew what kind of prayer life he had. And it, there's something about the way he prayed that made, a, it made, it made an impression on them. Enough for them to immediately ask him, Lord, because it says, and when he had ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. So, as we go through this study, I'm not going to, it would take us two years to go through a study on prayer. And that's, and that's a worthy study. There's so much the Bible has to say about prayer. But I want to focus this teaching just on what Jesus Christ said about prayer and how He prayed. We couldn't get a better example than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so many people, as they think about Jesus Christ and how He prays, they think about these verses here. Because to answer the question of Lord teach us to pray, they go into verse 2. Look at verse 2. And this is His answer. And He said unto them, When you pray... Say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, a lot of people take that prayer, especially uh, the Catholics, and they, try to, they call it our fathers, and they call it the Lord's Prayer. And it's not necessarily the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to show that to you. The Lord's Prayer is going to be found in John chapter 17, and we will get to that. We'll get to John chapter 17. But this, what, so what people like to call the Lord's Prayer, that's found here. You just read about it. You just read it there in verses 2 to 4. And it's found again in Matthew chapter 6. Before, but, and I'm going to turn you to Matthew chapter 6. But before we turn to Matthew chapter 6, notice at the end of verse 4 it says, Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now the only real difference between the two prayers that Jesus Christ, the Lord's prayers people like to call it, say, says here, Really, the only difference is in Matthew chapter 6, we're about to turn there. Go ahead and start turning there. I'll show you that there's something added in in Matthew 6 at the very end of that. In Matthew chapter 6. Now, the Lord's Prayer, what people like to call the Lord's Prayer, is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. 
Turn there with me if you don't mind. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And let's read through that real quick, and, and then we'll get started here. In verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus uh, says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's where, basically, that's the same prayer he's given the disciples there in Luke chapter 11. The wording's a little different, but it's the same principles. But at the end of this one there, you'll notice at verse 13, there's something added. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's where Luke, the gospel of Luke ends off at that time. And then he goes on to add here in Matthew, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, these, what you first you need to know about these Lord's prayers, supposed Lord's prayers, these two verses, these two sets of verses are given at different times in Jesus' ministry. When you study this out, you'll realize that this was given at a different, this Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is given this Lord's prayer, what they call the Lord's prayer, at a different time than Luke chapter 11 when you study it out. It's a different time in Jesus' ministry. But in this, at this time, he's, he ends it up with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A lot of the new versions like to take that last bit off. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. They like to omit that in the Bibles, what they call their Bibles and their scriptures, which is no scripture at all. But the reason why they like to, do, reason why they like to take that off is that distinctly is a Jewish kingdom that he's referring to. You, they don't like that. It's a Jewish kingdom that has a Jewish king named Jesus Christ. And if you know anything about the world, they don't like Jews. You'll have pe- Some people say, well, I don't like uh, uh, African Americans. I don't like Hispanics. Or I don't like white people. Whatever. There's, I don't like Orientals. Different people are racist about different things. But with, they can all agree one thing. They all can agree we definitely don't like the Jews. If it don't matter if you're black power, you're in the black power, the black panthers, or if you're a KKK, everybody agrees we don't like them Jews. So they try every way they can to get rid of a Jew. That's God's chosen people. That's a kingdom. That kingdom is going to be a Jewish kingdom reigned by a Jewish king named Jesus Christ in a Jewish city named Jerusalem. Amen. <laughs> Get over that. So they took that off of there. All right. So there's the extra ending there. And we're going to stay here in Matthew chapter 6. What you've got to understand as we get into this study, to start out, you need to understand this principle. Every scripture, every scripture has three applications. Every scripture in your Bible has three applications. There's an historical application. There's a doctrinal application. And then thirdly, there's a spiritual application. Every verse has those three applications. And what I mean by that, let me break it down. Every verse has a historical application, meaning that that happened historically sometime in history. What you're reading here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus Christ literally 2,000 years ago spoke those words in history. Every verse is like that. Every verse happens sometime in history. So every verse has a historical application. This isn't just something made up. This is happening in 
history, in time. So it has a historical application that way. Now, secondly, every verse has a doctrinal application. This is the most important application. Because if you don't get the doctrinal application right, you'll get your whole Bible messed up. Some people have asked me, what, Brother Keegan, why is there so many different denominations? Why is there so many? There's, uh, there's the Church of Christ. There's the Seventh-day Adventist. There's the Baptist. Why is there so many different de- denominations? Well, the simple answer to that is they've got their doctrine messed up. They're not doctrinally applying the verses where they're supposed to go. Well, how do you do that, Brother Keegan? You could do that by saying, who is speaking here? Who is he speaking to? And what time is it being spoken? Let's do it with this. It's Matthew chapter 6. Who's Jesus Christ speaking to right here? Is he speaking to the church? No. The church is not around yet, amen? Amen. Is he speaking to Gentiles? No. There's no Gentiles there. If there is, they're not. They shouldn't be there. He's specifically speaking to the Jewish nation. That's not me and you. Okay? So right there is a red flag that should go up. In other words, before I start taking any of this and applying it to me as a Christian, I need to realize this verse was said to a Jew, by a Jew, to a Jewish nation. So you've got to find out who he's talking to and why he's talking to them. And he's talking to these Jews, and every one of these Jews are under the law. We're not under the law, amen. We're under grace. So you, don't, you want to be careful with that. So you've got to take this verse and say, okay, this doctrinally applies to a Jew that's under the law. But thirdly, in the application process, you might be able to doctrinally say, okay, that belongs to a Jew. But thirdly, in the application process, you can say, I can spiritually apply this to my life some way or another. So you see preachers do that every Sunday. And what I mean by that is, you'll see me do that. Doctrinally, that verse might be applying to a Jew, but I'll take that verse and I'll preach it to church and I'll preach it. Even though doctrinally it's not applying to us, I will preach those verses and we'll get a blessing out of it, amen? Uh, the, that, uh, the, uh, the book of Job, that's not written to the church. That's written to a guy that's not under the law. That's before the law, Amen. But we had a brother up here preaching about Job and a sister saying, I got a blessing out of that. I got something out of that. Well, doctrinally, that doesn't apply to her. But spiritually, the Holy Spirit can still use it to apply to your life right now in the age of the church, in the day of grace. And that happens all the time. So what we're, I'm, basically what I'm trying to say to you is this. Doctrinally, these verses do not necessarily apply to us. And I'm going to point some of this stuff out to you as we go along. But spiritually, man, we're going to glean a lot out of this, guys. I promise you. We're going to glean a lot out of these verses, even though they don't doctrinally apply to us. So there's three ways to, to apply those scriptures. Every th- there's three applications. It's historical, doctrinal, spiritual. Y'all got the idea. Okay, so let's go back up to verse 5. That's a good, I'm laid the foundation. So there's no brothers or sisters can come up to me and say, Brother Keegan's trying to teach Jesus Christ the Lord's Prayer, and it doesn't apply to the church. You can't accuse me of that. I'm telling you right off the bat, we're applying this stuff spiritually. Okay? And I'll show you why I'm, I'm saying that's so important. Let me, let me give you a good example. You're, you're in chapter 6, just turn to chapter 5. Look at verse 22. I'll give you a good example of this. 
Look at verse 22. This is our Lord and Savior speaking, amen. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to Jews. Now read it with me. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Does that apply to you? Not necessarily, but there's some truth in that. That if you're angry with your brother, the Lord's going to start judging you. There's some spiritual truth in that as a Christian. That you've got to be careful being judgmental because you know God's going to judge you one day and you don't want God to be rough with you, amen. So you know there's a little bit of truth in that. You can apply to you spiritually. Is that correct? Okay. But look at the next set of, look at the next, look at the next sentence. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Okay, let me ask you a question. What does Raka mean? <laughs> I don't know what Raka means, unless you've studied it out. Raka is a Jewish way of saying vain fella. Vain fella. You're a vain fella. If you're a Jew, you would know that. But Jesus Christ is not talking to you dog Gentiles. He's talking to the Jews. That don't apply to you right there, right? Let me ask you another question. Whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. What council? The PTA council that meets up at Zephyr ISD? What are they talking about? What's Jesus Christ talking about? Well, he don't, you don't get it because you're a Gentile. It don't apply to you. He's talking to a Jew. A Jew knows what that means. There was a Sanhedrin. There was a council that you would get brought for and you could be in some big time trouble. Then the next, he goes, but that doesn't apply. There's nobody in here that's going to get in trouble by a council, amen? amen. So you can see this is not applying to the church. But look on, he goes on, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Somebody's going to be thrown in hellfire. These verses doctrinally apply during the, during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. These verses here, when you, when you apply these verses, these verses apply, this verse right there, definitely lines up and goes into the millennial kingdom. During the millennial kingdom, there's going to be councils, and if you're up there and you're saying this stuff, you can be in trouble of being thrown in hellfire. There's going to come a time where hellfire is going to be right there on earth in Edom. What they know is hellfire right there burning. This lake is going to be burning right there in Edom before everybody's eyes. So there's doctrinally ways to do this. Now that goes back and write this verse down, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study the show, show thyself approved, a workman that need, approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's your verse. That means you need to take the scripture, you need to study it, you need to rightly divide it. You've got to divide the Bible up or it doesn't make any sense. So what Seventh-day Adventists do, they try to apply stuff that goes to the Jew under a law and say, okay, all those laws that were for a Jew when he was under the law, we're going to take those and apply us to us as Christians. It don't work. <laughs> you got to go, you got to observe the Sabbath. you got to abstain from pork. They start doing that. But they tend to only pick the, and choose the ones that they can follow while they're living in America. When there's no temple to go burn a sacrifice at. You see where I'm going with this? That's, what the, that's where they're hypocrites. They pick and choose the ones that they like to do. So you've got to be really careful with this stuff. All right. 
But let's go back to verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6. Does anybody have any questions about that? Everybody understands the foundation I'm laying about applying Scripture where it's supposed to go? So what I'm trying to show you is for somebody to memorize what they call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be that. When you try to memorize that, you're memorizing a Jewish... You're memorizing something that Jesus Christ said to a Jew that's meant for a Jew. And I'm about to show you, it's not even a prayer. It's an outline for a prayer, okay? But it's a great outline, and that's what we're going to study. I'm just laying this down. I'm not going to mention this anymore, guys. That's it. But I'm just letting you all know, you've got to doctrinally have this stuff straight. You'll get into Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7, and you'll get all kinds of messed up. Interesting tidbit. You will not find the plan of salvation in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is written to the Jews to show Jesus Christ as a king. You can find the plan of salvation. You can find salvation in the book of John. You must be born again. That's John. That's not in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord. That's... The Gospel of John. The book of Matthew is a transitional book going from the Old Testament to the New Testament as we know it as a church age. So you've got to be really careful when you're pulling verses out of Matthew trying to apply them to the church. But spiritually, we can do that. In other words, we can say, how can I spiritually get something out of this? And man, we're going to get a ton out of it. I promise you. It's going to be a blessing to you to study it this way. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when thou prayest... Let's go back up to where Jesus Christ first starts talking about praying. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Verses 5 and 6, they teach us the great truth that Jesus Christ has for us. And that great truth is is that prayer, 99% of the time, is a private talk with God the Father. The sad part about it is, y'all are not part of this problem, but the sad part about it is the only time people hear a prayer usually is at a church or at some kind of event. They ask me every time we have this cookout at work, they, they get me and they say, Will you, Keegan, do you mind praying over the food? And I know for a fact that might be the only prayer some of those guys hear for another three months until I pray again. Every three months I pray over that prayer, pray over the food. That's sad. Because prayer is not meant to be a public thing. So some of you are saying, I'm shy, I don't know about praying out loud. Don't feel bad. That's the way it should be. I don't like praying out loud. It's a private conversation. It's like somebody's listening in to you talking to somebody else. Yes, sir? This right there, brother, is a... What Jesus Christ is pointing out to you is he's pointing out to you not that you have to get in a closet necessarily. What he's saying to you is that you've got to make it somewhere private. A closet's as private as you can get, amen? I mean, you go in there and you kind of hide out in a closet. When you're hide, playing hide-and-seek as a kid, a closet was a good place to hide. Especially if you can get up on the top rack there, that's where I always like to hide. 
It's a good place to go out. It's private. So what I'm trying to talk to you is and tell you and teach you here through the words of Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ is wanting to make sure that you do have a prayer life. And it's a private prayer life. It's not a public prayer life. But there's people you know who are like that. And boy, do they love it. And he says that they love it. They love to pray standing in the synagogues. There's people that love to stand up in church and pray and pray and pray and pray until you're almost about to fall out and you're like, shut up, man, I want to go home. <laughs> Don't feel guilty about being shy about praying out in public. I heard an a, a illustration of, and this is a true story, of a guy, he went, out to, he went into a home to eat and they asked this preacher to bless the food and he said... Uh, Father God, bless this food for our body. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus Christ's name, amen. He said something really simple like that. And somebody at the table spoke up and said, I expected you to say a longer prayer. And he said, well, I've been talking to God all day long. There's nothing more to say. Just bless the food. That's all it's about, guys. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be a good speaker. This is, if you can talk, you can talk to, in prayer to, to the Father. And that's what God wants. Notice that Jesus Christ takes it for granted that you are going to pray. Verse 5, and when thou prayest. So Jesus Christ takes it for granted you are going to pray. Amen. I am ashamed to say I had no kind of prayer life as an early Christian. I wasn't pray at all. I didn't even try to pray. I, there was a lot of heathen that prayed better than me. I just didn't have to take prayer serious. I didn't know how to pray. I would have been one of the ones standing there telling Jesus... Lord, teach us how to pray. Because I didn't know how to pray. But I'm here to tell you, it's a sin not to pray. It's a sin not to pray. You need to be praying. If you have a father and you're not talking to your father, you're committing a sin. You need to be in communication with your father. You need to be in communication with your family. That's a sin. You need to get right and get in communication with them. You need to pray. You need to have a prayer life. All right, let's look at verse 7. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So another thing Jesus Christ points out to us is he says you don't need to be repeating a memorized verse or a memorized set of verses. That's not prayer. That's called a vain repetition. That's where the Catholics get messed up with the rosary, with the Hail Marys, with the Our Fathers, which is exactly what they do from verses 9 to 13. They memorize that, and they say it over and over and over again. And they say it fast. They'll say, I need to say 10 Our Fathers. The priest might tell them, you know, you've committed some sin, you need to go say 10 Our Fathers. So then they go off in their little, and they'll bow down and they'll put their hands together and they'll say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Give us unto thy dead bed, forgive us our dead, dead, And then they'll come back, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's not praying. Jesus Christ is saying that's vain repetitions. To memorize a prayer and it's just to repeat it, that's, you're just memorizing verses. Now, I know when we pray, especially when I pray out loud publicly, I tend to repeat myself. And that's just the way I am. And I try to change it up, but I, I have the same things I want to say to the Lord when I'm out in public. 
I want to thank him for getting us here in church. I want to thank him for being good to us. I want to thank him for love. And I try to, and it tends to be the same. And I try to change it up, but it's not. But when I pray to the Father in private, it's like me and you talking. I'm not saying the same thing. How would you like it to, every time Brother Raymond, Sandra calls you up, you answer the phone, you're like, hello. And she says, how you doing today, Dad? I love you, Dad. We'll talk to you later, Dad. And they hang up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you don't like it. You want a little more conversation. It's the same thing. The next day you get a phone call. Hello, Dad. I love you, Dad. I hope your day's going good. Hangs up. Well, that's vain repetition. You want her to call up and say, Dad, I was working around and I was going to the grocery store, and you want to hear some conversation. That's what the God the Father wants from you. He wants to have, even though you say, well, what difference does it make? As a father, it makes a world of difference for my son to talk to me. And not just to repeat, you know, not just to say the same. I want, you know, it makes a world of difference, okay? I get that uh, often on the phone to the two little kids. The two little kids? Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. So you don't, want, you don't want to use vain repetitions. You don't want to keep repeating yourself. You keep repeating. Uh, I heard a story of a... Down in Pensacola, they had a softball league, a church softball league, and they got together to play in the church softball league, and it was uh, Bible Baptist was against somebody. And these brothers were telling me that they were there, gathered around, and uh, one of the brothers reached up to the other team, told the guy, "Hey, pray for us before we get this game started. Pray for us." And that guy bowed, and that guy looked around, and they everybody bowed their head, and that guy says, "Bless this food we're about to eat. Amen." <laughs> he didn't know how to pray. <laughs> he didn't know how to pray. He just repeated something his mama taught him when he was like five years old. Now I lay me down to sleep. Lord, I bless my... That's not prayer. That's a vain repetition. You get where I'm going with this? And a lot of things that maybe we were taught young, it's good to teach your kid to pray, but don't teach them some memorized set of verses. When they get old enough, they need to know, hey, I'm talking to the Father. This is a communication. This ain't vain repetition going on, and that's what the Lord wants you to know. Notice this is the Lord speaking. This is the Lord telling you. This is the Lord's teaching. You want the Lord to teach you how to pray. He's teaching you how to pray, okay? So let's get through with this so we, uh, we move on. Verse 8. Verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. So Jesus says, don't be like them. The Lord knows what you need before you even ask. Amen. Because He's the Father. He's God the Father. When you say God, that means he knows everything before you're going to ask it. After you ask it, he knows what. So then, it goes, then the question comes up, okay, then why do I need to ask him? <laughs> right? God. Well, there's maybe two reasons for that. God wants you to ask so you will, first off, know where it came from. When you get it, amen. You'll know where it came from, and secondly, you'll know who to thank. The Lord wants you to ask so you will know where it came from and know who to thank. And of course you want to thank the Lord. And you know it comes from the Father. Prayer is not just, the word pray means ask. But real prayer is not just going to the Father and saying, Lord bless me, Lord take care of me, Lord do this. It's a communication going on. It's when you're down and something's not working. Lord, I don't understand what's going on. Lord, give me some wisdom. I don't, I don't really understand what's going on. Lord, I need some help. Asking that way, but communication going on with the Lord. 
So lastly, in verse 9, let's, let's start off verse 9, and then we'll get going next week with the rest of this. But let's, let's close out in verse 9. And we're going to, before the, the prayer starts out, because he says in verse 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye our Father. So next week we'll get into our Father and what that means and what he's trying to say. But let's close out in verse 9. At the beginning of verse 9, he says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. So what he's about to give you is not a memorized, something you're supposed to memorize and repeat. He says, after this manner. In other words, do it like this. This is simply an outline, guys, that God wants us to follow. Jesus Christ is going to give us an outline. He said, this is like a general outline of how to do it. And the general outline of how to do it is to say, Our Father which art in heaven, not our Father which is in hell, or our Father which is on the earth, our Father which is in heaven. See, there's a, it's an outline. This is not a, something for you to memorize and then repeat, repeat, repeat. So next week we're going to get into this. As we start next week, we'll get into this and we'll get into the outline from Jesus Christ of how he tells his disciples and the Jews at that time, this is how you can pray. Because he's not going to, he, guys, he's not going to give it to you for, something, for you to memorize. He doesn't want you memorizing something. And that's, that's, that's straight from hell, guys. That's what the Buddhists do. That's what the heathen do. They do those chants. They do those chant, 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 chants. They, do, they repeat stuff over, over. And they think God's going to hear them because they keep talking, talking, talking. And God don't work that way. All right. We're running a little late, so I'm going to shut it down right there. But that's a good place to get started. Does anybody have any questions about... Yes, sir. Hey, Roy. Back to the Luke, Yeah. Yeah, John the Baptist had his disciples. John was leading people to get... John was getting people ready to receive Jesus Christ for the king to come. Make straight the way of the Lord. And then he, John taught that whenever he comes, I'm not even worthy to unloose his satchel, his, his shoes, his latchet, his shoes. So when he comes, basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decrease, he's going to increase. When Jesus Christ comes, you won't, you won't be my disciples... I'm getting you ready for him. So the first of the Bible, he had a lot of disciples following him. And then when Jesus came, they started, of course, they followed. And then, of course, John got arrested, and he got his head cut off. But they were following John. But John evidently had a way he was doing things, and he was teaching. He was teaching them certain ways to pray. He was teaching them certain ways to approach God. He had a way. He had a discipline that he was doing. So, yes, sir, that would be... There would be two sets of disciples, but then it became, there really wasn't. I mean, they were going to Jesus. Because, you know, later in Acts, they would come across these that uh, had been under John, and they had been baptized under John's ministry, the Baptist ministry. And they would have to straighten them out and say, hey, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You need, and so that, they ran into that in the book of Acts. Any other questions? Before we leave tonight, everybody underneath the sound of my voice, you'll understand. Y'all get this, because we're going to be talking a lot about prayer, but y'all get this. There are three applications to every verse. That's why we don't just pick a verse out and say, okay, that verse is for me. It might not be for you guys. 
It might be for a Jew. It might be for a Gentile. It might be for a tribulation Jew. It might be for a tribulation saint. Or it might be for you. It might be. But you've got to get that stuff doctrinally right. Everybody in this room believes that that historically took place. But doctrinally, that's where you get, you've got to divide it up. Or you'll get, you'll get messed up. I promise you, you'll get messed up. And even when we divide it up, it still can be confusing. That's why we need to study. All right. Let's close there. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord God, for all the blessings you've given us, Lord God, in this church. Lord, we want to thank you again for the rain. Father, we sure could use some more out here, Lord God, specifically. Out here at Indian Gap in this area, Lord God, Father, and just... Praying, Lord God, you'll give us some safe traveling mercies home. Lord, bless every soul, Lord God, that made an effort to come out here tonight. Lord God, I ask you to write them in your book of remembrance. Lord, thank you for being a God that doesn't forget things. And though, though we might forget it, Lord God, you won't forget it. And you'll bless us for it, Lord. And we thank you for the blessings you give us. Thank you for allowing us to pray to you and talk to you, Lord. And, of course, I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right, well, let's close there.